Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, and not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites! Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame, and the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. So I have a question for you. How many of you have or have had an occupation? Good. How many of you have a vocation. Not bad, not bad. Uh, the question is, what is the difference between an occupation and a vocation? Now, those of us of a certain age may have had Latin in high school. The younger folks, probably not so much. You uh, may recall the Latin word vocare, to call, vocation, it's a call. Now, certainly it's possible, and, and it would be very fortunate, if our occupation is also our vocation, and we might more easily see that if we're in a helping profession, healthcare, counseling, social work, police officer, firefighter, maybe it's easier to see those occupations or professions as vocation. Um, but I'm here to tell you that any occupation properly viewed and approached can also be a vocation. It's also quite possible, and I imagine it's true, that a number of the people here today have a vocation that's not an occupation, meaning 
you're not getting paid for it, right? Okay. So um, I pray that I have a vocation as an Episcopal priest. I have a vocation as a father, other things as well, and I'm blessed that I actually get paid for my vocation. Thanks be to God. Um, so, occupation, vocation. We believe, I believe, that we are all called by God, and so I would suggest that each and every person here today has, has a vocation, whether we realize it or not, and whether we are fully living in yet to that vocation, okay? What is our vocation? Well, at the first level, the most fundamental level, I believe that God is calling each and every one of us to be fully human, to be the person that God has created us to be. God has given each and every one of us certain talents, gifts, and strengths to use. And of course, the other side of the coin is God has given us weaknesses, especially me, and we are challenged to overcome or maybe turn our weaknesses into strengths. There's only one of you. There's only one Frank Horrigan. Thanks be to God, right, Frank? <laughs> right, Courtney? <laughs> There's only one Mary Weatherwax. There's only one Charles Coleman. Only one of each of us. There's nobody else in the world like you except you. And God calls you to be you. Okay. What else is vocation? I believe that vocation is what God calls us to be every day in our life. It's how God is calling us to view and live our lives. It's God calling us to bring a sense of kindness and generosity and even joy to all that we do, how we live our lives, and to the people with whom we interact and encounter in our everyday lives. And as I said, if we're fortunate, what we do either in our employment or our volunteer work can also be our vocation. And to be honest with you, if you are working and you're miserable in your job, that's probably not your vocation, right? Maybe God is calling you to something else. I also believe strongly that God calls us to different vocations at different times of our lives. At one season of our life, God may be calling us to be the best parent that we can possibly be. At another season of our life, maybe God is calling us to be the best caregiver to an aging parent or a friend in need. I have to confess that uh, as I contemplate the fact that I'm probably going to be retiring mm, end of the year, early 2017, I'm wondering what is God calling me 
and to do in the next season of my life. So I don't think it's like God has one thing in mind for you. You got to do that the rest of your life. And if you don't, man, you're in big trouble. Um, God calls us to different things at different times. And even when we're not quite getting it right, God does have this way of sort of turning lemons into lemonade, you might say. So each of you is called, and here is the problem. I'll bet a lot of you are sitting there right now thinking, what, me? Me called? Oh, no, no, not me. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the talents. I don't have the skill. Uh, I'm too young or I'm too old. Well, no, there's nobody here who is thinking I'm too old. I'm not worthy. Well, sorry. God has taken away all of the excuses. God has broken down all of the barriers to us filling fulfilling God's call. And we've heard Jesus and God breaking down those barriers this summer. We heard the great story of the Good Samaritan. Well, you know, the Samaritans were the scum of the earth. They were despised by the Jews. They were the epitome of the unworthy, the least, the last, the lost. And yet Jesus holds up the Samaritan as the model of what it means to be a neighbor, to be God in the world, and Jesus breaks down the barrier of the other, of unworthiness. And then I think it was the very next week we heard the story of Mary and Martha, and Jesus uses Mary as the example, the pillar of what it means to be a disciple. Mary learning at Jesus' feet, studying, learning to be an evangelist, and Jesus breaks down the barrier of gender. And then this morning we hear the classic story of God encountering Jeremiah, who becomes one of the great prophets of Israel. And Jeremiah says, not me, Lord, I'm just a kid. You gotta be kidding. And God says, I've known you since before you were in your mother's womb. I blessed you before you were born. I will be with you always. Don't be afraid. And God breaks down the barrier of age. No excuses. We are all called. God has blessed each and every one of us, and God promises to be with us always to empower us and to equip us. Now, here's an issue. Um, let me explain. You know I've been your rector for nine years. You may or may not know that for about the last eight years, I've also served as the chair of the Commission on Ministry of the Diocese of Pittsburgh. And in that position, I, along with the members of the commission and the bishop, helped discern people's call to ministry. And then if they are truly called to ordained ministry uh, through the process leading up to ordination. And both in my capacity as your rector and as chair of the Commission on Ministry, I've had the privilege of listening to, talking with, counseling dozens of people who feel a call to ministry. That's the good news. The bad news is 98% of them think it was to ordained ministry. And maybe it was, but you know what? 
you can do almost anything as a lay person without actually having to be ordained. And if you look in the back of the prayer book at the definition of who are the ministers of a church, well, I hope you know what it says. Number one, the, lay, the laity, then bishops, priests, and deacons. The lay ministers are the number one order of ministry in the Episcopal Church. You don't have to be a priest or a deacon to carry out effective, powerful, incredible ministry. There's another confusion, though, about what does lay ministry mean? Too often people think that lay ministry only refers to what people do within the church. Now, make no mistake, there are incredible lay ministries in the church, and the church could not survive without the ministries of ushers and greeters and altar guild members and choir members and people who read the scripture and serve the cup and serve on the vestry or the rector search committee and the list goes on and on. But for the most part, those ministries are once a month or once a week or unless, of course, you're like Sue and which it's every day. Both of you probably, right? But, you know, that's kind of the exception rather than the rule. The point is, what we do here in church is great and it's powerful, but for most of it's an hour or two a week. What about the rest of our lives, the rest of the world? I think the most important lay ministry takes place beyond our doors the rest of the week, and especially by the way we live our lives, use our God-given given strengths and talents. Now, Let's say that in addition to what we do in our occupation or our volunteer work, we feel like we are called to something more and God is calling each of us to something and maybe more than one thing. How do we go about discerning what that might be? Well, first of all, often it's helpful to talk to somebody else because we may not be so great at discerning our own gifts and talents. Michelle, Garrett, and I are always happy to talk to anyone who is discerning what God might be calling them to do. I'd say there are a couple of other benchmarks. I would start with the great commandment to love God, love our neighbor. As our presiding bishop likes to say, if it's not about love, it's not about God. And our baptismal covenant. We promise particularly to proclaim the good news by word and example. We promise to seek and serve Christ in all persons. We promise to strive for justice and peace and respect the dignity of every human being. That's what lay ministry is about. It's about proclaiming the good news. It's about promoting justice and peace. It's about loving our neighbor. It's about being Christ to a world that is hungry for love and care and generosity. So, bottom line, I urge you to remember this. God is calling you to be fully human, to be the person that God created you to be. God is calling you to use the gifts and talents that God has given you. 
God is calling you to live your life, to approach the world as ministry, to bring a sense of hope and kindness and generosity and love and joy to everyone you encounter. And do not be afraid. Do not say, I am too young, I am too old, I am not worthy, because God has broken down all the barriers and taken away all the excuses and has promised that God has blessed us, has consecrated us, and that God will be with us always, forever. Amen.